0: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network podcast, your source for sports entertainment and credible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans! This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right, we are Wagering Week, and what a week we have! College football has arrived, like the savior from the sky that we needed. Oh yeah, college football is here, and. Oh, by the way, the next time we talk, an NFL game will already be in the books. The next time you hear my voice, we're already going to have Chiefs and Texans in the books. So we're going to talk about that, of course. We're going to talk about college football a lot today since college football is here. And we may have more college football than we originally thought. We've got a lot of NHL. We got a lot of NBA. We're going to talk about that. Massive lines to discuss, so make sure you keep it right here. You want to get in touch with the show, it's 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. Facebook and Twitter, it's Sports Garden G-A-R-T-E-N. It's the Sports Garden Network. Hashtag S-G-N. Also, iHeart, iTunes Radio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you can listen to us. So, guys, let's get right into what we're dealing with right now and the right now is right now is the nba is the nhl it's game sevens it's teams moving on it is the next round we're whittling these teams away and because a lot of the favorites are sort of moving on i don't think people are understanding that look we are really really close to finals here we're really close to championships we are getting right there. So I just want to give a couple of thoughts on the NBA, on the NHL, and what we're dealing with as far as a betting community. First and foremost, we are seeing massive lines in the NHL. The Vegas Golden Knights, who I thought were going to have a very easy time with this series, by the way. They were more than 2-1 to one odds in almost every game. The odds are massive right now. When you're looking at the goals scored, we're continuously seeing sixes in that Colorado-Dallas series. Sixes, six and a halves even. So pay attention to where the money is going. People are liking scoring. People are liking the overs. And the the favorites are really, they are kind of holding court. But man, you're going to pay for it. And the NHL moving forward, you have the teams like Tampa Bay that people are now going, oh wow, wait a minute. Tampa Bay's only a A couple of wins away from going to a championship. Yeah, that's kind of where they are. Vegas Golden Knights are a team. Obviously, the Islanders were a good team to bet on for a while. You can just kind of pick your spots. The NHL right now is very much in a weird spot. Because favorites, okay, sure, they capitalize. But during Stanley Cup season, during the playoff season, ask any hockey fan out there. Underdogs are going to make you money. And this year, the underdogs aren't exactly advancing but they're making you money because the favorites are such massive, massive favorites that you're having to lay such a big chunk on them. As far as the goals scored, this is an interesting trait for me. And maybe it's just because of the perception of getting a hot goalie and defenses are better and defense wins championships and all that. But outside of the Islanders who are, are consistently low, the Tampa Bay series uh, went under a couple of times, but you kept seeing Big numbers. They were waiting for these teams to break out. Dallas, Colorado. Like I said, nothing would surprise me in that series. Um, the big numbers. The big numbers were there. Vegas, Vancouver. The big numbers were there. And when I say big numbers, we're not talking about five, five and a half, even six goals. We're looking at six and a half. I mean, you're you're banking on seven goals to go over. So the sports books are telling you, if you like scoring in the playoffs, if you like the over in the playoffs, we're going to make you pay up. We're going to make you pay up and pay up huge, and that's what they've been able to do. If you like the favorites, if you like the overs, you're going to pay. You're going to pay a premium, but they have been hitting. So something to think about moving forward, where I do expect in the coming rounds here, I do expect a little bit more upsets. I do expect the line to kind of come back down to earth, and I do expect some more unders. I think that we're going to see better goaltending here. I think we're going to see tighter gameplay. You ask me, and I've gotten this over on Facebook. I've gotten the question a couple times over on Twitter at G A R T E N And people have asked me, do I think that the bubble has any effect on the scoring? Yeah, I don't really think so. I think it's just the quality of defense that is being played. And and matchups. Look, there are just some bad matchups, right? You have just some bad teams and bad spots. The Boston Bruins didn't do anything wrong. The Boston Bruins just had a bad matchup, right? You look at just some of these teams, just really, truly ran into just the wrong opponent. So it's something to keep in mind moving forward. How about the NBA? The NBA where things are just absolutely crazy for the big top dogs, and I'm not saying that they should have been. I'm just telling you who they are. And we're talking about the two teams from L.A. and Milwaukee. And let's talk about Milwaukee specifically. Milwaukee comes in as one of the locks to make the championship. I mean, that's what everybody said. And you know on this show, we hate the word lock. Well, I didn't use it. I'm using other people's terms, right? Everybody loves Milwaukee. They have everything that you want. Miami, though, they're playing fearless. They are playing absolutely fearless. Here's the interesting thing. The Bucks come in to... The playoffs Not playing well in the bubble. They are overrated, overrated, overrated early on in their series. The lines move up and up and up. Miami, continuously getting low lines. I made a fortune off of them. Continuously short lines, short lines, short lines. So now they meet into the next round. Opening line, all of a sudden, Milwaukee, who has still not played well, and Miami, who's on fire, they're giving five and a half or six, depending on what number you got. Miami wins game one. For game two, once again, the number's five, five and a half or so. Miami wins game two. For game three, the number didn't change. And we often talk about in Major League Baseball, how it takes a long time for the public to adjust. And you could take advantage of Major League Baseball a lot. Because the public doesn't adjust on time. They take a while to get behind a starting pitcher. They take a while to realize, oh, wait, this team has won six, seven games in a row. It takes a while for the lines to adjust. Am I seeing that here? Or is this just people not believing that the Bucs can possibly lose games? You know, you're not looking for the big bounce-back number. If they lose game five—I'm sorry, if they lose game one and the number was minus five— And people are expecting the bounce back. It should go up to seven or eight, and it didn't do that. It stayed exactly the same. And then they lose games one and two. You expect some kind of bounce back. No, 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 it stayed exactly the same or within a point. That's an interesting correlation right there. What I did find interesting that you should take out this nugget of information and make sure that you do use it is that the prop plays for the Greek freak have been all over the place. They were skyrocketing in game one, fell all the way down to earth, and then in game three, all of a sudden, back up again. So while the spread is not bouncing like the market dictates it should, the prop plays certainly are. The prop plays on Jimmy Butler still going straight up in the air, but the prop plays for a guy like Giannis, well, they're bouncing. And they're bouncing the way that the spread should, but the spread has not moved. That is a weird situation, and we have to pay attention to that. How about the other lines? Look, the Denver Nuggets go through a grueling, rough seven-game series, but I think that they showed a lot. Look, their defense is a sieve, right? They just are. But they were able to move on. Denver's a really good regular season team, and I was worried about what was going to happen to them come playoff time. They have looked inconsistent, we'll say. But in no way should they have opened up at the ridiculous number that they did for the series against the Clippers. Those Clippers were sixteen minus sixteen hundred. You're talking about minus sixteen hundred dollars to win hundred bucks in some spots. There, there was a point that you could get the Nuggets at plus nine to one. It opened at five, went up to eight in most places. Nine to one, nine to one, you could get Denver at at some point. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that they're going to win, but those are ridiculous odds for the way that both of these teams are attacking the playoffs in a bubble in a weird year like this, you get 9-1 to in this round of the playoffs? I fully expect the Clippers to win this series, but I do think Denver's going to steal a game here or there, and I see inflated lines all over the place. Inflated lines in this round, I will take a stab here or there. Maybe not game one, but I will take a stab. If you actually watch Murray's face, he was interviewed when Denver won game seven, and they interviewed him live, and he was happy, and he was going crazy, and then The announcer said to him, Oh, you're going to play Thursday, which is only two games away. And you saw his face drop. Because, listen, after a seven game series. So I'm I'm not talking about early on the series. What I'm saying, though, is that with these odds, it's worth a shot. How about the Lakers? Everybody's loving the Lakers, right? You, You love the Lakers. I still see holes in their game. They're taking on a Rockets team that can be very dangerous. They are quirky, they are scoring. Now, opening night, they were seven point favorites, the Lakers. I think they're getting a little overpriced. But again, this is more of watch down the series as the series unfolds. I don't think you're going to get much much fluctuation. And that's what I'm talking about Milwaukee. So when I'm sitting here and I'm talking about Denver, and I'm sitting here and I'm talking about taking a shot with the Rockets, it's because I don't expect much fluctuation. If they go out there and they win a game or two in this series— I don't expect the market correlation, the market fixing itself the way that it probably should. She so still might be able to get value after that. That's where we sit in the NHL and the NBA. The Clippers' odds, to me, are just ridiculous. I want to spend a minute or two on the Miami Heat because I did tell you all about the Miami Heat uh, before the season. I thought that this team was a team on the rise. I'm not going to tell you. I thought they'd be in this position. But it wouldn't shock me to see them just be that hot team. And this is something we have to really take into account when we're talking about the bubble or talking about corona time, when we're talking about the NHL, the NBA, um, if they decide to do a bubble in some other sports, especially Major League Baseball, where they're not doing a bubble, but it's a shortened season, somebody just has to get hot. And we hear about it all the time in the NHL, right? You talk talk to an NHL fan going into the playoffs, and your team is number one. Go talk to a Tampa Bay fan last year, right? And your team is the dominant team. They are the number one team, no doubt about it. Oh, here we go. You talk to a fan like that, and they're going to tell you, a true NHL fan, oh, yeah, but whoever gets hot coming in. I mean, they understand what it is to have the hot goalie. They understand what it is to get really hot at the right time and play the right ball. In Major League Baseball, you see it. But you see it more with that hot pitcher, right? Especially now with adding these other rounds and, uh, you know, the play-in game and all that. You could look at a team, uh, i.e. the Washington Nationals last year. I don't think anybody's going to say that the Washington Nationals were the best team in baseball last year. But they did get that title, didn't they? Why? Well, they had a couple of hot pitchers. Strasburg was unhittable. Scherzer was dominant. Corbin looks good. You have that. So Major League Baseball starting to kind of come around to that. In the NFL, you will see it often later on in the year. Doesn't matter what you do. Look, Bill Belichick basically uses the first four weeks of the season every year as like warm-ups. Right? Remember the on to Cincinnati stuff? Right? Oh, Tom Brady's done. onto Cincinnati. Oh, Super Bowl. I mean, early on in the season almost means nothing to these guys. It's when you get late, hot, and you go crazy. Last year, Patrick Mahomes was out a couple of weeks. Came back. Kansas City went nuts. This is what we're looking at in other sports. But you hardly ever say that about the NBA. The NBA, it has hardly ever been whoever gets hot. In the NBA, and the NBA made a conscious effort to do this during this David Stern years, it is about the talent. It is about the one guy. It is about who is going to put this team on his shoulders. Who is the superstar? And more times than not, you will always take the superstar over the team that's just playing well. The team that's playing fundamentally well will always come up short in betters' minds that bet the NBA against the superstar. Now, we've seen many cases where that's not true. Look at the San Antonio Spurs, right? Even post-Tim Duncan, because Tim Duncan was surely a superstar. Even post-Tim Duncan, right? But they went up against some big-time superstars. They walked away with the title, but they were never this overwhelming, ridiculous favorite until really later on in their dynasty. So we're looking at the Miami Heat here, and I think it does absolutely play into the hands of what we're discussing. Because nobody outside of LeBron is the superstar right now that Giannis is, right? Milwaukee had everything they wanted coming into this series, They had everything in their hand coming into this year. They were destined to take on one of the L.A. teams for the championship. I mean, that's all we heard, right? That's all we continued to hear before the year began. The minute LeBron signed, the minute Kawhi Leonard signed, that was it. L.A.'s going, well, they're going to see Giannis in the finals. And that was the situation that we were looking at. Well, all of a sudden, in the East, you have not only the Miami Heat, who are just playing really good, and oh, by the way, Jimmy Butler is a star, but they're playing really good basketball. You also have the Boston Celtics. And the Celtics are the epitome of team, aren't they? They're playing without Gordon Hayward. They are massively well-coached. And we talk about Stevens a lot here, because I absolutely am just an advocate that he's the best coach in the NBA. They are a team that plays team ball. They play really a team style. And it's going to be really interesting to see, even if Giannis can get past the red-hot Miami Heat. Let's say that he can get past him. Well, now he's got to go up against a team like the Celtics, who just play fundamentally sound basketball. This seems to be, in the bubble, kind of the problem area for the big superstars. And this is one of those situations where we have a year, much like the NHL has uh, multiple times in their life, we go back to last year, where a team just gets hot at the right time. The Miami Heat right now are really hot at the right time. The Boston Celtics right now are really hot at the right time. And it's coming at the wrong time for a team like the Milwaukee Bucks that thought that they had just stamped their ticket to take on one of the teams in LA. And I'm telling you while we continue to still sit here and talk about the two teams in LA, and the two teams in LA are absolutely big time favorites to win their division uh, to win their series. They are also big time favorites for each game. And everybody wants to see LA versus LA for the championship. This was designed over the summer. This was all Heads pointing this way. Here we go. This is what it's going to be. And I've thrown some doubt on that over and over and over. I don't think the Nuggets are the team to upset the Clippers. I do think that the Rockets will play a good series, but I can't call for an upset either. So, guys, I'm backtracking a little bit here. I think we will see one of the two Le teams in. But suddenly, I don't think the Bucs are going. And all of a sudden... A Bucks team that had a collision course, you start thinking, Miami is red hot. The Celtics are red hot. Are one of those two teams going to be representing as opposed to Giannis and the Bucks? From a wagering standpoint, you kind of hope that it isn't because you can get good value on the red hot teams as opposed to the superstar player. Taking a team is always more beneficial. And we've seen these lines are not moving all right guys we're gonna take a quick time out come on back we have a lot more to talk about college football is here and that's right we're gonna break down an nfl game for you we are breaking down an nfl game oh it feels so good it's been a long hot summer but all of a sudden we are into september and we are talking football we'll be back right after this on wagering Week. back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, I've been talking about it. We have college football. It is here. So, let's give you the college football lines that are on the board right now. Memphis will take on Arkansas State. This is all Saturday. Memphis started at minus 16. They are up to minus 19 on the line. How about you want a total? How about a total 74 for an offensive explosion game? Texas State, SMU, SMU from 17 all the way up to minus 22 and a total of 69. We're seeing some offense here. How about North Texas against Houston, Baptist, North Texas minus 27 and a half. Yeah, that's supposed to route them by almost four touchdowns. 67 is the total there. And finally, on Saturday, to wrap it all up, Army takes on Middle Tennessee State. This should be the highlight game of that day. Minus three and a half, Army, and 55, 55 and a half. I even see a 56, so shop around for the total there. That is, what are the odds? Oh, yeah, man, it feels good. It feels good to actually talk actual, real, totally real football. Oh, yeah, here we go. We have it. We have some football. So one of the things I want to get into here. Um, It's one of the the games that is going to be played after the weekend. It's going to be the Monday night game. And I didn't give it in the numbers because I want to do a deep dive here. First of all, it is the game of the weekend. That's why they're playing it. Not on Saturday, right? We know that. It is also a game that the line has flip-flopped and switched pretty extensively. And I'm talking about Navy against BYU. Navy opened up as a a two-and-a-half-point chalk. And the number has crossed the zero, flipped it over, and BYU is now a a one-and-a-half point favorite. The total opened at 55-and-a-half, but it remained pretty consistent at 50-50-and-a-half or so. So let's talk about this Navy-BYU game because this is really interesting, right? What we know is this. Preparing for the triple option offense, which is what Navy runs, is a nightmare. An absolute nightmare. Most of the time, the more time you have to see it, the more time you play a Navy-type team. Georgia Tech runs it also. Army plays a, a version of it. Um, when you play that kind of style, you see that style, all right, no problem. You're able to adjust it. The reason why the triple option never worked in the NFL is because you have enough scouting. You have enough ideas about it. Look college football you don't and in a normal offseason week one wouldn't be a chance to jump on taking the advantage of the triple option because they've had all summer to sort of prepare for it right so we have that in your mind but we didn't have a normal summer right we didn't have that way here's what i will tell you about defending the triple option okay cougar head coach Kalini Sataki said, looking at their scheme, they spread the field, they use the skill players, toughness on discipline. We haven't seen it in a number of years here. They have not seen the triple option in a number of years. All right, let's go even further. BYU defensive coordinator, he said, when asked, how much experience do you have defending the triple option? I've had zero. Yup. Next question. <laughs> I mean, wow. That's exactly what they're dealing with here. They are dealing with not only am I looking at this game and saying they have no experience, literally no experience facing the triple option. So they take on Navy. And then 12 days later, oh, by the way, they're going to take on Army, another triple option team. Guys, Think about what you want out of your team. You want them to be prepared. You want them to be aggressive. When you're playing the triple option, being prepared is one thing. Being aggressive is in a different world. And this is something BYU has to understand. And I'm telling you, this is going to be tough. What happened over the offseason? Zoom meetings? Are Zoom meetings going to really prepare you for a triple option? Right? Are Zoom meetings going to be able to do that? How about the Cougars overall? Well, last year, BYU, they struggled to defend the run anyway. Now, again, this is not against the triple option. This is just BYU against the run. They were 78th in the country against the run in 2019. They gave up 167 and half yards per game on the ground. Navy, that triple option, number one in the country in rushing offense. 360 and a half yards per game. Oh, by the way, Army was number three at 297. This is what we're doing. And in between them, by the way, it's it was Air Force who kind of run a style of this, 298 and a half. The service academies run the triple option, and they run it beautifully, and they run the ball. They run the ball because their guys are tough. Because the service academy guys are tough. And their offensive linemen can push you around. And they come up with these quirky, confusing offenses because it works. It works. Ken Loto is maybe the most disrespected coach in college football. And you guys have known, if you've listened to me through my career, I can stand on a soapbox all day and talk about the Navy team. I vowed that Keenan Reynolds should have still... I still will say he should have won the Heisman Trophy. Okay, he was the best player in college on that team. He said all kinds of absolutely ridiculous touchdown marks. And if you're looking at me and saying... You no, know, Tommy, you're just saying go blindly and take Navy. I'm giving you the numbers here, guys. This triple option attack is going to be nearly impossible to defend. Nearly impossible. Oh, by the way, one more thing. Navy at home, yeah, they haven't lost since October 20th, 2018. Now, it's only seven straight home wins, so it doesn't, you know, don't go crazy about it. But they didn't lose a home game all last year. They play well at home. They're playing a team and a head coach and a defensive coordinator that have no idea what to do with the triple option. And somehow or another, betters are coming to BYU in droves. Betters are running to BYU suddenly and going crazy. Guys, I, I I don't I don't get it. I don't get the line. I don't get the movement. I don't agree with it. This was a game in Navy that I had circled early on. Now, not as a big giant play, not as a best bet or any of that. But I circled it and I said, this Navy team should beat BYU. They're going to have plenty of success running the ball. They should be able to win at home on opening night. One of the best coaches in the country to prepare his team. I like what the Navy team looks like. And I like the minus two and a half. Now all of a sudden... I'm able to get one and a half. And here's a good lesson for you guys out there. It's a lesson about sports betting when you're talking about, look, I like the team at two and a half. Now, am I going to take the one and a half points? Absolutely not. I'll take them on the money line because I think they're going to win anyway. So I'll take them on the money line, and I like Navy in this game. It's a Monday nighter, and I like them. Now, I see some of these other games. Look, South Alabama, Southern Miss. Uh, was a game that everybody kind of jumped on. Why? Because it was the first game. I laid off. UAB Central Arkansas, uh, again, another game. Oh, man, everyone's going to go crazy about it. And Central Arkansas, you know, wound up going from 18 and a half all the way up to 21. Maybe they showed a little bit uh, that you could say, ah, you know what? It, it's a little bit of value there. Look, I laid off of those two games. I know everyone's excited to run to the ticket window to go bet on these games. But laying off is perfectly fine. Find that game. Arkansas State, Memphis, 74 is the number. You've got to like the over in this game strictly on the fact that there would be ridiculous offense. But I kind of like the over, and I didn't love it when it was sitting at 69. It got up to 75. 75 is a massive number. It's just a massive number, guys. And you look at Memphis, Arkansas State. Archie State's a pretty solid program. But Memphis should have their way with them. But 19? Again, a 16 to a 19 is a different number, and that's the opener to right now. So I really don't love that SMU against Texas State. SMU is really, really well coached, and we do know that SMU is going through a little bit of a transition, but they still are on the ascension road. They were a 17 point favorite; it's up to 22 now. In some spots, I'm seeing 22 and a half. By the way, buy up, buy on this. Um, because there are some places that still have 21 and a half. You could buy the half a point, get it down to 21. Now you're dealing with three touchdowns instead of three touchdowns and a field goal, and that makes a difference. But I'm staying away from this one also. I think Texas State is—look, ah, they have enough. I don't want to say that—I I almost said that they're good enough. They have enough to play in this game within three touchdowns. I think the number's pretty set. North Texas, Houston Baptist. I made a lot of money a couple years ago on North Texas. I, I pounded them all day long. It looks like people are starting to realize that this is actually a good team. 27 and a half. It's the biggest line of the early weekend here. I won't go near it. Even the 67 is something I'm not going near. So the game that I didn't mention was the other service academy. And a lot of the same things that I just said about the triple option can go for Army. Army and Middle Tennessee State. Now, before the year... Army was one of my best bets on the win total for the year. Before the year began before the corona problem and the COVID, whatever you want to say, before all that went down, the college football win total for Army was six, and I loved it. I jumped all over it. I took the over everywhere that I could get it. Everywhere I could get it, I took the over. I think Army's a really good squad this year. They were five and eight last year. I took the over last year, too. 5-8 and last year, it was a bad year. But four of their losses were within a touchdown. So they played a lot of close games. When I see a team that has four losses or four wins, whatever you might look at, that are about a touchdown, and it happens one year, I go, that could be an aberration. That could just be bad luck. That could be the ball bouncing the wrong way. That could be a one bad call. That could be a bad offside. I mean, that, that could be a million of anything. If you start to see it as a trend, well, then it's the coaching. But that's not the case with the Knights, who had a good year two years ago, right? That's not the case here. So they were in every game. They lost four of their eight games by a touchdown or less. That means they're in every single game. Again, it was only at six. They're returning two quarterbacks that could run the option and they may use both of them that's who they are the army will shuffle and move and get your guys in positions now they had a schedule of bucknell of rice of miami of ohio of princeton of eastern michigan of yukon of umass you know this was a team that you look at and you go oh yeah absolutely i'm jumping on the six well here's what happened the line is not up anymore and it's just a rough situation if you have if you're somebody like me that really did like Army to go over the six, and then they redo their schedule and their schedule says home game home game home game home game. I mean this is what you're looking at with Army. They travel on the road three times all year, so they open up against Middle Tennessee State at home, UL Monroe at home, BYU at home, at Cincinnati that'll be a tough game, Abilene Christian at home, Citadel at home, uh, UTSA on the road. Mercer at home, Air Force at home, Tulane on the road, Georgia Southern at home, and then Navy in the, obviously the, uh, we're not going to call it a road game. It's a neutral site game there against Navy. So, I would still be betting on this, but you know what? A lot of places pulled it down. So, I got to look at Army game by game. And I have to try to make some money on Army game by game because I still believe that the value for Army is down this year. But... In this game, guys, you have a five-win last-year Army team. At home, sure, they are at home. They have two quarterbacks. I just talked about all the good about Army. But they're taking on a pretty decent Middle Tennessee State team. And they're giving three and a half. So... I'm looking at this game and I'm saying, you know, I'm not going to pull completely off of it, but boy, do I have some hesitation. I have some hesitation because I don't want to lay the points. I have some hesitation because Middle Tennessee is a pretty solid program. Now, I know they had a bad year last year, too. Middle Tennessee only won four games last year, but their schedule was devastating. Look, they lost to Michigan, okay, in Ann Arbor. Anybody getting down on them for that? They lost to Duke. Duke's a decent team. They lost to Iowa in Iowa. Anybody getting down on them for that? They lost to a Florida Atlantic team. Ah, They weren't great, but okay, I could get over that on the road. They lost to the North Texas team that I just mentioned by three on the road. They had some bad losses. I'm not telling you that they didn't, but there are also some ways that you look at this and you go, yeah, I could see, I could absolutely see Middle Tennessee playing close here. So all in all, Opening weekend is here. We love it, everything, but I want you to pump the brakes as a sports better. Understand that your wallet is everything, and that's what's leading the way here. Don't get over aggressive. The worst thing I hear in sports books, and oh, do I hear it? And I hear it constantly. Constantly. Anybody that's ever been to a sports book, this is the things that you've heard. You've heard guys go, Oh, I got to find something today since I'm going to be around the TV to watch it. What? What? No, 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 no. Treat this as if it's real money because it's real money. (laughs) I I hate that. It really really is. So it's a weekend to enjoy college football. It's a weekend to look at college football and say, wow, it's back. This is great. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. Whatever you want to say. But guys, there's not a lot of games. You can wait till next weekend to find some action. If you really want to go on a game, I think that Navy-BYU game on the Monday night, that is probably the best bet of the weekend. I know I'm an Army guy, and I've given them out for a couple of years, and I backed them, and I told you I liked them over the six, but this seems a little little dangerous of a game for me, so I'm laying off. Now, again, if you find an angle, if you find a position that you like, buy on, but don't buy on it because— your wife's out with the kids this weekend, and you got the TV and sitting home and watching college football. Don't do it. yo. don't do that. Sit back and watch and just do that. And what you want to do, if that's the case, just replay our show. Listen to us again. Go to sportsguard.com. Go check us out on Facebook and Twitter over at SportsGuard. We'll give you your fill. Go do another fantasy mock draft, whatever it is to occupy your mind. Don't waste your bankroll. If you don't find an angle, I don't see an angle. I do kind of like Navy, but I don't see an angle on Saturday. With that said, college football is absolutely here. And we are looking to the future with college football. We're sending you back to the future. All right. Bet Bet to the the future. future. Let's bet to the future. And it's the 2020 2021 college football futures. That's right. The Westgate Superbook. In Las Vegas, they reopened up their college futures pool, and oh, here we go. What changes we have. Remember, there is no Big Ten for now. There is no Pac-12. There is no Mountain West. There's a lot of maybes and a lot of no's. But here are the college football futures. We're going to start right at the top. And right at the top, Clemson is now 2-1 Two to one to win it all. Two to one on Clemson with the new field. Alabama sits at three to one. Georgia four to one. You're not getting any value on them because the field is so shortened up. Florida goes to twelve to one. Oklahoma is twelve to one. Texas and Notre Dame are sixteen to one. Notre Dame with that new ACC schedule. Texas A&M forty to one. LSU forty to one. Auburn forty to one. And Okie State comes in at fifty to one. That is bet to the future. I mean, look, you can't tell me that much has changed in my mind. I thought before the year, Clemson, I thought they had the end of last year. Clemson would be the best team this year. I think they are the best coach team in the college football ranks. I think they have the best player in Trevor Lawrence. I think they have the best running back in Travis Etienne. <laughs> I mean, I think that they've been the best. So, Give me whatever odds you want. I still think Clemson going to win it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to bet them at 2-1. to one. There's no value. We always talk about value. There's no value. But there is also no Ohio State, presumably. So that kind of helps. It looks like Alabama-Clemson again. I mean, that's what we're looking at. Uh, by the way, a couple of long shots. UCF, people like to bet them 80-1. to one. Uh, Miami's 100-1. to one. Florida State's 300-1. to one. Making my wife cry somewhere. I mean, that's what we have right now. Look, it's college football. Uh, Underdogs don't usually win. Underdogs almost never win. It's going to be interesting how this pays out, how this all plays out. Now, to stay on the college football theme, oh, by the way, the Big Ten, I keep saying maybe, presumably, possibly. Well, Donald Trump got involved, and he basically said, let's get some Big Ten football. And guess what? They start to listen. So I've heard about three different dates, and I can't confirm any of them are actually going to come to fruition. The first date I heard was, well, they're going to look at about November 10th or so, well, right after the election, is where that they were looking to maybe start Big Ten football. Up. Then I heard it was actually going to be right before it, right about the first, second, third, right in that area. And then I had heard, well, you know what, they might go as soon as mid-September. This is what the Big Ten players have been pushing for. They want this. I don't know if it happens, guys. I really don't. But I certainly hope that it does. I really do. I hope that it does. That doesn't mean that the Pac-12 will be involved. But I think that the Big Ten took the stance that if we do this, watch all the conferences follow us. And it was the ACC and the SEC against the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And once the Big 12 decided to side with the Southern SEC and the ACC, all of a sudden, the Big Ten had to make their decision. And their decision was, okay, maybe we should revisit this. So I hope that they do. A couple of news and notes in the NFL before we get into the game coming up on Thursday night. Leonard Fournette. Oh, yeah. He's joining... The Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Yeah, it's going to take a, a minute for me to keep saying that, but it is kind of funny. Yeah, he, he's joining the team. And all of a sudden, the Super Bowl odds, they went down again. So they were 16 to 1, they were 15 to 1. I started 14 to 1. Yeah, they keep creeping down. People are loving this Tampa Bay team, they are loving it. How about you, daily fantasy guys? How about you, season long fantasy guys on Fournette and the futures of Fournette? Look, I like Leonard Fournette, I always have. I think he is a very good running back. Not great. I think by drafting him at where they drafted him, they did him a disservice of thinking that he was going to be great, and he's he's just not great. He doesn't catch the ball in the backfield great. Look, he doesn't have bad hands, but he doesn't have good hands. He doesn't break tackles. Okay, The guy just seriously does not break tackles. What he tends to do is fall forward, and if you get him in the open field, oh, by the way, if he's healthy and he gets in the open field, he could fly. So what are my predictions for Fournette here? You know, I think it's a tough thing to predict. And I'm not taking the back door out of this here. I'm just being honest with you. I think we're gonna see Leonard Fournette in sort of a timeshare. We know Tom Brady likes his guys, right? He likes the guys that you bring up. And you know, Ronald Jones has been with him the entire offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady's kind of leans to him early on. It's gonna take a while for Fournette to get in there. The Tampa Bay offensive line is not very good. But again, I'm not taking the cowardly way out. I'm just being honest. I think Fournette, look, you want an odds prediction? I think he's good for 750, 800 yards. I, I, I think that's perfectly acceptable for Leonard Fournette. What is going to make Leonard Fournette a difference maker in fantasy, what is going to make him a difference maker for the Buccaneers to really take it to the next level, to maybe be that Super Bowl team, is going to be the touchdowns. He is as touchdown dependent as I've seen a running back in a long time. Is he going to be that hammer at the end? And even if he's not getting the ball there, is he going to be a guy that runs the ball inside? Tom Brady's not running it, right? Brady's not running it inside. And they don't have a pure pass-catching running back inside. Now, they got a slew of tight ends, and you can tell me Gronk and Howard. By the way, Howard's look really good in camp. And even Cameron Bray. Uh, there's plenty of balls to go throwing around, but if you're getting inside the five-yard line, you want to just hammer it in. And Fournette might be that touchdown guy. So I have a hard time pinning it down. You want to give me yards, I'm going to say he's got 800 yards, 750 to 800 yards rushing. You want to talk about receiving, I'll give him 250 receiving. right? So I'll give him a 1,000 all-around purpose yards. That's a good player. That's a good year. What is his touchdowns? I could see Leonard Fournette ending with about four or five touchdowns. I could see him getting it to double digits or more. He could get 12, 13. I mean, that is the difference with Leonard Fournette. So I'm going to take a conservative stance here. I'm going to say we'll conservatively give him about 1,000 all-purpose yards, and I'm going to conservatively say about seven touchdowns. That's a good player. In a fantasy realm— that's a running back three. You could force it and be a running back two if you got good receivers and a good tight end. He could be a running back two. But I wouldn't expect him to just walk in and take over. How about the arrival Kamara stuff this week? I'm not making anything of it, Kamara. Um, I'm not making anything of him holding out because of the contract. But I don't like an epidural shot in his back. Raise your hand if you want an epidural shot today. All right, put your hands down. Nobody does. Kamara got that. And now he's going to go get hit by guys three times the size of him. I don't love that. But it's not putting a damper on my New Orleans Saints talk at all. I'm a big Saints backer this year. Um, I think that they have a fantastically complete team. And Kamara, I think he'll be fine. Cam Newton named the starter. Yeah, that happened as well. Uh, The most non-story story story of the week. Cam Newton named the starter. A lot of you guys are scratching your heads going, didn't that happen already? No, they didn't officially name it, but... Yeah, he's the starter. Uh, It is what it is. It doesn't move the needle for me. I'm still with the Patriots. I'm still weirdly obsessed with why they lost all those defensive players and how that is going to impact them than I am on the offense. I kind of look, I'm shocked that Brady went, but once the shock wore off and Cam is inserted, I'm going, yeah, I worry about them in the playoffs, but for the regular season, I mean, they should be generally okay. Offensively, defensively is where I worry. They lost five starters. Defensively is where I'm concerned about the Patriots. In that weird universe that is my brain, um, the Lions they signed on with MGM. Oh yeah, more casinos and sports teams. This is this is uh, just crazy. And Wrigleyville. Oh yes, Wrigleyville. They will have a sports book at Wrigleyville. That is going to be very very cool. So with all that said, now the main course. And the main course is we have a Thursday night football game. Oh, yes, we do. And not only do we have a Thursday night football game, we have a Thursday night football game that is getting some weird action. Oh, that's right. This line opened up at 10 the history of the line was Kansas City minus 10 over Houston as the opening number. It quickly was bet up to about 10 and a half. I saw it at 11 in some spots. And that was a number I expected to continue to climb. I thought, all right, everyone's going to jump on KC. The public loves KC. Even though I love a NFL underdog with double digits, especially on Monday night, uh, in this case, Thursday night. Doesn't matter. Primetime game plus ten. I, I was going to wait for it. Well, a funny thing happened on the way to me waiting for it. It's down to nine and a half, pretty much universally. And oh, by the way, Circus Sports in Las Vegas has it at nine. So you're going from. An 11 to a 9 on the team that is getting 70% of the public money is on Kansas City. We call this reverse line movement. That means big guys with big duffel bags full of big dollar bills are walking into casinos and saying, give me the Texans plus 10. The money is coming in on Houston to move this line. Now, I do expect this line to creep back up. I do expect this line to end at double digits. But if you're a Kansas City backer, you're not going to see better than 9. You're just not. Grab it now while you can. If you're a Houston backer, I do think it creeps back up to number 10. I do. I think we see a 10. You might even be able to get to a 10.5. I'm a little shocked at this line. Now, one of the reasons I said I kind of like Houston. I, by the way, I am not touching this game. I very rarely take the opening night game. Again, it's a discipline thing. If this game was on Sunday and it had a full slate of games with it on Sunday, I wouldn't go near it. So just because it's on Thursday doesn't mean I have to have action on the game, and I won't. But if I had action on this game, I would be leaning plus those 10 points at double digits when it was there. As much as you want to rip apart Bill O'Brien, and people just love to bash him. Sure, he traded Hopkins, and he's been a numbskull in a lot of situations. He lost a huge lead. He still had the lead. He still had a playoff lead. He still led his team to the playoffs, and he still got Deshaun Watson back there. They brought in Kenny Stills. Compliment to the offense. Oh, yeah. Randall Cobb. Yeah, that's good. Brandon Cooks. Yeah. David Johnson, sure. Healthy Kyle Fuller for game one. They got some weapons, man. The offense is stacked offensively for Houston. Don't think because they lost Hopkins they can't toss the ball all over. They will be doing that. And again... Their big concern is the health. The health of David Johnson is not in question in Week 1. The health of Will Fuller is not in question in Week 1. Brandon Cooks had maybe some problems, concussion, and this. He's not in question for Week 1. And on the defensive side of the ball, not only is J.J. Watt back and, oh, by the way, healthy, but they also re-signed their middle linebacker, Zach Cunningham, who is a ascending star that people just seem to forget about. My worry with Houston is that they allowed 33 passing touchdowns last year. They had the worst defensive backs in the NFL. I mean, they just did. It was terrible. And they did really nothing to upgrade that. And now they got to go out there and face Mahomes. We know about Kansas City. They are as consistent as consistent can be. And I watch every fantasy draft, and I did four fantasy drafts this week. I watch every fantasy draft. And in every fantasy draft, people took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first 10 picks. I was in a fantasy draft where he was the number three pick. I've watched fantasy guys tell me he should be the number one pick. He's got a lot of him. He's got a lot of playing time in front of him. He's got a lot of good that you have to like about him. I still worry about his blitz protection against J.J. Watt coming off the corner. And maybe that's just the... The weird way that I watch an NFL game and I'm going, oh, cool, he might get two touchdowns and 100 yards rushing uh, and catch another 50 yards in the air. Yeah, he might do that. He also might miss three blitz assignments that makes Patrick Mahomes uneasy in the pocket, gets him sacked, or a fumble here or there, maybe an interception. That's how I'm looking at this. Rookie blitz protection is a massive concern of mine. For this game, that's something that to be watched. There's also not going to be the same regular, screaming, ridiculous fans in Chief Kingdom. Arrowhead is known as very possibly the loudest stadium in the country. And I want to just say that it is. And then people from Seattle will be writing over on hashtag SGN. What are you talking about? Seattle's, uh, you know, way more loud than we are. All right, calm down. But it's one of the best. It's one of the loudest. It's one of the craziest atmospheres. It's not going to be the same this year. Will the Chiefs have the hunger that they did last year? Who's got more motivation to win this game? Just look, if you're going outside of X's and O's, which X's and O's link up that the Houston Texans uh, will play very well in this game. Last year, as a 10-point dog, they came in and they covered the number. They lost the game, covered the number, in a tough place to play as well. So they have that. X's and O's, statistics, numbers, players on the field, all of it say this should be a closer game than a double-digit number. Who's got more motivation? Because these are the secondary things that you want to look at. Do you think that the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson, who have been the laughing stock the entire offseason, have been mocked, laughed at, chuckled at for losing this big lead, you think they want a little revenge? Or is it Patrick Mahomes who just got a $500 million contract? He's the face of the NFL. He is the anointed one. They're receiving rings. They're dancing in the locker room. You've seen the, the, what is it, TikTok, Twitch, whatever the heck it You've seen it all, right? Who do you think has the more motivation for this game? I know you could tell me Patrick Mahomes wants to win another Super Bowl, and I'm sure he does. But game one, this is the kid that's been beaten up and spit on He may not win the fight, but I'll tell you what, he's not going down without a fight. So that's why I lean with the Houston Texans. It's not enough to make me make this one of my top plays of the week, and I only bet about two or three games. But it's enough for me to sit back and say, you know, if I had to go away, I'll take those 10 points. Now that it's down to nine, I'm not going to flip-flop to Kansas City. It just makes me stay off of it just a little bit more. I know the Chiefs are the darlings, but you could use this to your advantage. Watch that line and watch that line movement. So, guys, next week, when we talk, we're going to be talking about NFL preview. We're going to be talking about my best bets going into the weekend. We're going to be talking about the college football preview. And we are going to be deep into the NHL and NBA. September 2020 will be the most jam-packed, most ridiculous sports month in the history of, of the world I mean, I'm not, I'm not overstating it. It really is. And from a betting perspective, there is massive, massive opportunity for us to all make a lot of money. But be really careful not to jump into that first week, oh my God, I've been sitting in my house, wearing my mask, not able to go out. If We finally have college football, so I'm going to go bet all these games. And don't do the same thing with the NFL. Look, if you're not a guy that fully believes in the Chiefs or the Texans, just sit back and watch it. There's no harm in just watching this game instead of going out there and making some money on it or losing some money on it. Everybody goes, Well, I didn't bet the game and I lost. No, no, no. There'll be plenty. This month is as packed as you'll ever see in the history of sports. And guys, it is a packed month that we will be here with you, making you money every step of the way. So enjoy it, guys. Enjoy college football. Real college football is here. It is upon us. And yes, the NFL will have a game in the books the next time we talk. Next time we talk, someone's going to be 1-0. Someone's going to be 0-1. We're going to have plenty of reactions. Patrick Mahomes is the Easily the greatest player that ever walked the planet Earth, or oh my God, he should have never given him that money. We are going to have plenty of it the next time we talk. Enjoy your week, everybody. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Sandwich.